What's up, guys? It's the Knicks Nation podcast presented by New York Sports Nation. New York Sports Nation, enhancing your New York fan experience. I'm your host, Manny Rodriguez. It's been a long time since I've uploaded, and I apologize. I got sick. I got better. I got sick again. It was awful. And then I went away for a little bit, but uh, I've watched the Knicks. I'm all caught up. Got a couple of comments on how the Knickerbockers have been playing uh, here at the end of the season. So let's get started. So the Knicks are now in 11th place with a 34 and 42 record, um, but they've been playing well. Um, you know, in the grand, if you take a look at the the entire, you know, package that you've got, um, they've been playing well considering what the season has has been. Uh, they're six and four over their last ten. Are the Knicks um, a couple of of fine wins? Um, they were on a four-game winning streak. Of course, they uh, defeated uh, the Hornets, the Heat, and the uh, the Pistons before falling, and the Bulls. Excuse me, before falling to the Hornets. Um, so that was a season-long four-game winning streak. Um, they've been playing well, um, but yet it's just it's just frustrating. It's frustrating because you know you take a look at what Tom Thibodeau has done, and it's it's. Why couldn't this happen in February? Because the changes that Tom Thibodeau has made, fans have been clamoring for this since February. You know, they have been asking for the kids to play. They've been asking for Emmanuel quickly to get the get the minutes over Kemba Walker. They've been asking for, you know, Deuce McBride to get the minutes over Evan Fournier. But, uh, you know, Evan Fournier has been playing well. But, I mean... You know, when it comes to individual performance of, of Evan Fournier, would you take the last 11 games or so, 10 games or so, um, and say that that's the type of player that he is while completely ignoring the other, you know, 60, 50, 60 something games that he played? Well, no, not really, but um, Fournier has been playing well of late, more on Fournier later. Um, but fans have been asking for McBride to get the minutes over Fournier. Um, RJ continues to be a star. People want Obi Toppin over Julius Randle. Julius Randle has been struggling mightily not uh, right now, just like how he has the entire season. He looks he's reverted back to season one Julius Randle when he was on the Knicks. He has reverted to to being a non-factor, um, and it breaks my heart because you know it seems as though we really had something on Julius, but. More in Julius later. Um, and, you know, fan favorite Mitchell Robinson. Um, Knicks fans were asking for less of Nerlens Noel and less of Taj Gibson and more of Jericho Sims. And that's what we're getting now. And it's resulting in better play. And, again, this is something that the fans have been asking for since February. Um, maybe even before then, January, December. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it. I'm saying February to give Thibodeau some leeway, but... You know, it's April, it's March 31st, it's April 1st, February wasn't that long ago, and it feels a lot longer than, you know, a month ago that we have, uh, that fans have been asking and begging Tom Thibodeau for this change. Um, And again, the kids, we've been asking for it, they got a slight uptick in minutes, and it's been successful thus far, I mean, again... Uh, you know, since uh, since the second half of the season, not the second half of the season, but since post All Star break, um, you know, Kemba Walker was no longer with the team. Um, you know, less of Taj Gibson. We haven't I, we haven't seen Nerlens Noel since then. Um, Noel was hurt. Uh, he got hurt and then uh, hasn't played. I, I 
kind of forgot New Orleans Noel was on the roster. That's how bad of a signing the Noel contract was um, and how much of a non-factor he was. Again, it, it stinks because New Orleans Noel was... Uh, Nerlens Noel was fine last season. He was a good, respectable player off the bench for New York, uh, kind of in that, you know, to, to, to come in for Mitchell Robinson. But uh, simply put, it was a lost season for Noel. And, and um, you know, this is a guy, Nerlens Noel, who has dealt with injury. You know, I remember when Noel was a Kentucky Wildcat, he was going to, he was the number one pick. Everybody thought he was going to be the number one pick. And then he ends up tearing his ACL at Kentucky. And it feels as though it might be a little tough to say this, but it feels as though since then, Noel's, you know, trajectory towards stardom took a, a serious nosedive. Um, and, and he simply just hasn't been able to get back since. Um, so yeah, Nerland's Noel, the, this one, this this article three weeks ago, three weeks ago from the New York Post, um, the lead is the Nerlens Noel mystery continues as Knicks rule him out with plantar fasciitis. Uh, the 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 curious case of Nerlens Noel in the 2021-2022 season. But again, um, with with the subtraction of him, we've seen Jericho Sims get a couple of more minutes, and it's been. It's been quite the revelation to see yet another fine pick by this Knicks front office late in the draft. I mean, this front office is responsible for finding quickly, responsible for finding McBride. Um, they're responsible for uh, finding Rokas, who's out in Barcelona right now. They're responsible for finding Jericho Sims. Jericho Sims is, I like the way the Jericho Sims played. Uh, you can go back to the podcast that were recorded in October. I said that I kind of like the kind of game that, that Jericho uh, Sims brings. He's, he's a real springy guy. He's got springboard for legs. The way that he gets up on a pick-and-roll alley-oop with Emmanuel quickly, the way that they link up, it's awesome. Emmanuel quickly running the point guard. More on that in, in, in a matter of minutes here. But, you know, this is, this is what I'm trying to get to. The kids got a slight uptick in minutes. We'll include R.J. Barrett in there. R.J. Barrett started getting more touches, started getting more involved in, this, in the offense, um, getting more touches, getting more looks, um, especially when he's going downhill. He'll get the ball in the corner, he'll do a little pump fake, and then he'll drive um, and, and use that strength. R.J. Barrett is a strong dude. I think R.J. Barrett's going to be a star. He's up to 20 points per game um, as he starts to, to break out. Obi Toppin, I mean, what can you say about Obi Toppin? He's in a really, really tough situation with what's going on with Julius Randle. Let's be honest. Uh, the reason that Obi Toppin was drafted was because the front office did not think that Julius Randle would turn into Julius Randle in that second season. They didn't know that in the following season after they after they dropped uh, after they drafted Obi Toppin, they didn't expect Julius Randle to go off during Toppin's rookie season. And now the tables had turned for the most part. I wouldn't say Obi Toppin is a star, but I mean when he's out there getting 14 minutes and scoring 8 points, you know, that's that's it's a lot of points in in a condensed amount of time. It really is. Um, but again, there's still some frustration when it comes to Tom Thibodeau coaching this team because the Knicks, there have been times here in this second half where the Knicks are down, 
and and then uh, he'll make a substitution. He'll make a decision with the rotation that just simply does not make sense. Um, multiple times this season, the Knicks will be trailing, uh, you know, in the third quarter, the third quarter of doom, as we as we nicknamed it. Um, you know, there's the third quarter of doom. They start out flat. The starters come out flat to start the third quarter. Tom Thibodeau leaves him in way too late. Suddenly, there's three minutes left in the third quarter. The Knicks are down 16 points. In comes the second unit, and by the time you reach the six, uh, by the time that there's six minutes left in the fourth quarter, you know it, it's a two-point game. You know, the the Knicks bench made it a six, made a 16-point deficit into a two-point deficit, or even have taken a four-point lead, have tied the game. The second unit plays well, better than the first unit, but Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau says that, you know, these these are kids. They're going to be running. They're going to be playing. Yet he doesn't leave them out in the crunch time situation. Thibs refuses to let the group that led the comeback finish the comeback. Let them finish the game, Thibodeau. Let them finish the game. They've earned it. They've played better than your starting unit. You mean to tell me that I can, you know, I can watch my starting unit. Let's say the let's say the contest is tied at the half. You know, let's say it's a two-point game at the half. Knicks are losing. And you, as the Knicks head coach, come on out and see your starting unit come out in the third quarter, flat to start the third quarter. You call a timeout with, a, with 90 seconds into the third quarter because that's the type of coach that you are. That's the type of coach that you are, Thibodeau. You're the type of coach to call a timeout 90 seconds into the half, 90 seconds into a quarter, because you're unhappy with what's going on. That's the type of coach you are, simply put. We've seen it happen multiple times with Thibodeau. I don't understand. You'll call a timeout with 90 seconds. You'll bring that unit back in, hoping that your your timeout lit a fire underneath them and they're still flat. Wouldn't you take them out? After four minutes of ineptitude and you see the two-point game all of a sudden become an eight-point game, wouldn't you want to yank those players? Put in that second unit? Make sure it doesn't get out of hand? He waits until it gets out of hand, throws in the kids, prays, kids answer their prayers, and then he poo-poos the game all away. It's so frustrating. He does not let the group that led the comeback finish the comeback. I think, um, I think that they should. I think that they should. Uh, multiple times, Tom Thibodeau has taken Emmanuel quickly out late in the contest. Fourth quarter, you know, five minutes left, six minutes left, four minutes left in the game. Multiple times, he has taken out Emmanuel quickly, a guard, to insert Alec Burks, a forward, to play point guard. It's that it's those type of decisions. Alec Burks, you're gonna you're gonna get. Out of Alec Burks, what Alec Burks is going to give you. We know what it is. We know what Alec Burks is. His, 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 he's most effective, Alec Burks, when he's coming off the bench at the forward position. Don't put him at the guard. He is not a ball handler. He is not a playmaker. Tom Thibodeau continues to swear to his fans, lying to his fans, Saying that that 
Alec Burks is the better option at the point guard position than Emmanuel Quickly? No, you can't tell me that. You can't tell me that. Emmanuel Quickly does things a lot better at the guard position than Alec Burks can. And you know why? Because Emmanuel Quickly is a guard and Alec Burks is a forward. Simply put. He continues to put Alec Burks as the starting point guard. He's not a point guard. He's not a playmaker. Some Emmanuel Quickly haters will argue that Emmanuel Quickly isn't a playmaker either. He does so much more than that, though. Some might say Emmanuel Quickly takes those ill-advised three-pointers thinking that he's Steph Curry. Well, you know what? You're going to need somebody who takes those type of shots. Who would you rather have those ta- take those type of shots? Would you rather have Julius Randle take those type of shots? Because you know he will. You know he'll pull it from there. Would you rather have Randall shoot it from out there? Or would you rather have Quick shoot it from out there? Quick plays some pretty good defense too. Pretty underrated defender. Pretty underrated defender. Emmanuel quickly is six foot four, and he has like a six foot ten wingspan. I swear, he has a long wingspan. Emmanuel quickly is a guard. Alec Burks isn't. Tom Thibodeau needs to realize this. He needs to see this. What's the point now? There's 10 days left in the regular season, and the Knicks' tragic number is down to one. Maybe if these switches had been made earlier in the season, the Knicks' tragic number would not be one. Maybe the Knicks would be, who knows, maybe they would be the eighth seed. Maybe they'd be the seventh seed. Still be a disappointment considering that they were the sixth seed last season, or the fourth seed last season, and they had a significant drop, but I'd still rather be the seventh seed and the eighth seed battling for a play-in than having my tragic number be down to one. By the way, if the Knicks lose, the tragic number, if you don't know, if the Knicks lose another game this season, they're done. It's over. Dream's over. Pack it up. Start looking ahead towards next year, even though even though my heart still tells me, please don't give up on the season. My brain is, has already been on next season for about you know, two months now, a month and a half. Um, by the way, during this fine stretch that the Knicks are in, Evan Fournier has been playing well. I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, I released an article on, on NYC Sports Nation with clips. Um, Evan Fournier has been playing better. I mean, there was a stretch, um, about a week ago. There was a five game stretch about a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago now in which, Evan Fournier was hot. He was averaging 16 points a game, or yeah, 16 points a game, averaging about four assists with a, with one and a half steals a game. He was hot um, and shooting well. He was shooting 49% from the field and 49% from behind the arc. But unfortunately, since then, his shooting has gone down all the way down to 27% on, from, the, from the floor. So he went from 49% over a five-game stretch and then the next five games followed it up with a 27% clip. That's the type of player you're going to get out of Evan Fournier, unfortunately. But I, I, I think that Evan Fournier, I think the way that Fournier has been playing of late is huge for the Knicks. Because if you're going to try to trade Julius Randle, I think oh, the contracts would be a lot of money too. Because Evan Fournier's contract isn't the best contract. But, um, you know... Evan Fournier's contract isn't the best contract to throw in with Julius Randle. But if you're looking to make a trade, um, 
you know, with the way Evan Fournier has been playing over the last few games, I feel as though some front office will see that and will deem that as valuable. Um, by the way, during this cold stretch shooting the ball, yeah, the offensive output isn't there for Fournier. I think he's averaging like nine points over the last five games. But the assist numbers and the steal numbers um, continue to be up there on par with what he was doing in the five games before. So um, the shot isn't falling right now for Evan Fournier, but excuse me, but his overall play in general has been rather good. Alrighty, we move on now um, to a topic that's been, that actually had a little bit of a Twitter fight today on Nick's Twitter um, between Sean of uh, the Nick's wall and Anthony Donahue of MSG Network. Um, a little bit of a civil war, um, but I digress on that. Tom Thibodeau's job security is the topic. Um, reports came out a few weeks ago that Tom Thibodeau's job is safe. Um, it's, it's really upsetting to, to have this come to this. Tom Thibodeau last year was coach of the year led the New York Knicks, the dumpster fire that has been the New York Knicks over the past 20 years. In his first season with the Knicks, he was able to bring them to the playoffs. So the fact that we're having this discussion makes me, I'm in a glass case of emotions. It makes me, it makes me, I don't even know. (laughs) It makes me, it makes me feel some type of way. It makes me feel upset for him. It makes me feel, um, it makes me, I just feel bad for Thibodeau. I feel bad for Thibodeau that this is the conversation that we're having. But this is New York. These are the conversations that will be had when the team is not performing at the expectation that the fans expect or the expectations from the fans uh, they aspire and, and the front office as well, especially after a season like you had last season. Reports came out a few weeks ago that his job is safe. I don't, I don't believe it. Um, I've been saying since probably since December, January, that Tom Thibodeau is going to have to figure something out, and he's going to have to do it quick. Um, then January, February rolled around, and you know we figured that playing the kids was the answer to the questions we had in December, and uh, he still didn't do anything about that. And uh, now he's starting to do it. Well, it might be a little too late, too little too late, Tommy. Um, and again, you know, it would, looking at it from the front office viewpoint, it, it would look bad to fire him. It would look bad to fire him. I reiterate, we're talking about a man who was the coach of the year last season brought the New York Knicks to their first playoff appearance since I was in high school. Since I was in high school. I'm 25. I'm 24 years old going on 25. I'll be 25 in about two months. A little bit more than two months. Damn near 25 years old. And last year, the Knicks made their first playoff appearance since I was in high school. In his first season. In his first season as Knicks head coach. But the mistakes that Tom Thibodeau makes, the mismanagement out of Tom Thibodeau, it's, it's unacceptable. 
Uh, there have been, again, I reiterate the mistakes in regards to his rotations, in regards to his substitutions. Um, I, I, the kids need to play more. Tom, Obi Toppin deserves more than you know 13 minutes a game. Because when Obi Toppin is out on the floor, the team just looks a different way than it does with Julius Randle. And again, more on Julius Randle in a bit. But the connection that Toppin has, it feels as though with the players that are about his age, you take a look at Quickly and the way that he plays with Quickly, you take a look at the way he plays with RJ. You know, they know they know what their strengths are. I feel as though the kids know what each other's strengths are. We know that Emmanuel quickly, you know, RJ and Obi are thinking, we know IQ can get us the ball. You know, if he finds us, we'll probably be open. If not, we'll have to play make. He'll probably be, probably be open. He's a three-point shooter. He's a, he can, he's got that floater that works. He's able to do that once in a while. He'll do that uh, scoop layup or the uh, finger roll layup, um, you know, or he can play make. You know, we know that Obi Toppin is a slasher. We've seen multiple times, you know, the Knicks get a steal. Obi Toppin is running the break. The Knicks grab a rebound and Obi Toppin is dashing the other way, going to the the other baseline as fast as he possibly can. He's a gazelle out on the court. But again, the the, the rotations, (laughs) we're going back to the rotations. And I echo the sentiments from the first segments, from the first segment, I should say. Multiple times this season, he has taken Emmanuel quickly out to put in Alec Burks. He is taking out a guard to put in a swing man to play the one position. That simply just doesn't make sense. And then he'll come post game and tell the media that this is the best, this is the best option the Knicks have. To, to win basketball games. And that's just a bunch of baloney. It's a bunch of crap. Emmanuel Quickly is a guard. He is a better playmaker than Alec Burks. Multiple times this season. While making that substitution. Whether it's taking Emmanuel Quickly out for Alec Burks. Whether it's taking Emmanuel Quickly out for Kemba Walker. Whether it's, whether it's taking uh, uh, Emmanuel quickly out for Evan Fournier on nights that Evan Fournier is 3 for 12. What I'm trying to get at is Alec Burks is not a, is not a guard, is, is not a point guard, at least. If he wants to play the two, he'll, he'll fine, throw him at the two. Or if you want to throw RJ at the two, throw RJ at the two, put Alec Burks at the three. Keep quickly in, though, because quickly is a guard. Again, I understand, excuse me, I understand Tom Thibodeau's point or his, his, his point of view when it comes to, when it comes to him uh, making the decision based on, on what's happening. Can't be a prisoner of the moment. You also have to, ta- you also have to factor in if Alec Burks is, you know, three for five. From the floor. Might want to insert him back in. Fine. Put him at the two. Especially if Evan Fournier is three for 12. You might have yourself a little predicament 
when Emmanuel quickly is playing well. Evan Fournier might be four for seven from behind the arc. Alec Burks might be two for five from behind the arc. R.J. Barrett might, you know, have a subpar game. You're not going to take R.J. Barrett out. That's for damn sure. Not going to take R.J. Barrett out late in the fourth quarter. God forbid you do that. Then Then you will be fired. I understand though. I understand that point, that part for Thibodeau. But again, you just have to take a look at what you're watching, man. If you see that quickly is playing well, keep him in. If you know, and 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 with the time coming down, with with time winding down, it's time for crunch time in a close game, and Quick is still out there playing well. Then you have to think about what has happened before. About what happened before. Is Alec Burks your best option at the two? Not at the one. Enough. Stop thinking about the one. He's the best option at the two. Or is it Evan Fournier? You have to take you have to take in consideration what they did in that game. Because he's going to take Miles McBride out. I understand with taking Miles McBride out on certain nights. Especially, again, especially you might want to take Miles McBride out. If you want to take Miles McBride out... You know, with five minutes left in the fourth quarter or four and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, replace him with Evan Fournier. I will understand, especially if Evan Fournier is, you know, four for seven from behind the arc. Won't really understand it if Evan Fournier is three for 12 from the field, however. It's mistakes like that. It's little mistakes like that that can seriously, that, that I seriously think that the front office is looking at. Plus, again, you have to remember, James Dolan really cares about what his image is, especially among the Nick fans. Hasn't been good over the last 20 years, but the guy continues, continues to care about that. He might, show, uh, uh, he might show no emotion when it comes to the Knicks and their fans' lack of, lack of you know, finding the people to make this organization better. But he cares about what we say. He cares about what, he, what we think about him. Um, and he'll care that the fan base is now turning on the head coach. I really do think that. I mean, again, James Dolan, the, the New York Rangers, the other tenants at Madison Square Garden, the New York Rangers were on the upswing. They missed the playoffs, but they were on the upswing. And James Dolan fired the president. He fired, he fired the president. He fired the general manager. Then we got a new general manager. Then I think they got a new president as well. Whatever the case may be, there was a lot of turnover in that in that Rangers front office not too long ago that shocked everybody. That led to the hiring of Chris Jury. I just did it. I just looked it up this morning. Today, the new this was last off season too. Today, the New York Rangers have ninety three points and are second in the Metropolitan Division. James Dolan has the ability to find these people. Rangers are doing damn well right now. Knicks aren't. But again, he cares. And he does have that, that, that trigger. He has that history. Again, the Rangers were on the upswing. Everybody thought, oh, the Rangers, the Rangers are doing. Rangers are on, Rangers are on their way up. Lafreniere, Kako, Shesterkin has turned into something. You know, was turning into something back then. And then they, and then Dolan fired everybody. Not everybody, but he fired the general manager. So again, I think James Dolan still does have it in him. And James Dolan, at the end of the day, is the boss of everyone. But let's look ahead. 
let's say Tom Thibodeau is in fact retained. And if he's back, that leash has to be sh- that leash has to be short. Just has to. I think if the Knicks start next season 8 and 17, I think he's done. If he doesn't get fired this offseason and the Knicks get off to an 8 and 17 start next year, I think he's done. But if the Knicks are ho- hovering at at or near 500, yeah, no, he's going to stay. He's going to stay and he'll he'll continue to be the head coach. A lot of people are saying that the kids love playing with Thibodeau. That's cool. That's fine. That's great. But a lot of lot of games this season, which I think the Knicks could have won, that they lost because of the decisions that Tom Thibodeau has made. Again, if he comes back next season, Thibodeau, I think his leash will be short. If the Knicks get off to a bad start, you know, if after, you know, I don't know, 30 games, they have eight wins, seven wins, he's gone. He's gone. But... If they're at or near 500, I think I think Tom Thibodeau will be here for yet another season. Okay, we move on now to uh, the situation that the Knicks find themselves in in regards to to Julius Randle. Um, with Julius Randle, it's it's such a curious case, isn't it? I mean, uh, here's a guy in Randle that year one. You know, a tough start, a tough start to to uh, a career in a new city, a career with a new organization. Um, and then in year two, he uh, he makes up for all of the mistakes that he made in that in that one year. He goes to the all star break or he goes to the all star game. He's he makes an all pro team. I mean, at, at this point last year. The Knicks and and their fan base, mostly their fan base, I should say, they were head over heels in love with Julius Randle. And you you fast forward to the point that we are now, and it's it's incredible. It's incredible the the sudden the sudden downfall almost. You know it. He he has got something wrong with him. Something is wrong with Julius. Um. His attitude, his attitude is one that's concerning. Um, you know, watching the Knicks play, watching the Knicks play well, I forgot what game it was. I could probably look up that information and get it to you quickly. Um, I think it was the Bulls game. Uh, the Knicks go out, they beat the Bulls. They're on a four-game winning streak. It might have been the Pistons game, whatever the game may have been. They won. They're on a streak now. And and Randall just kind of grabs the ball, kind of throws it over his shoulder, and walks off the court without going to you know high five his teammates, go fist bump his teammates, go give his coach a hug. None of that. He went straight into the locker room. Um, it's not a good look. It's not a good look, especially considering you know all of the the situations. The situations that Julius Randle has found himself in this season. It's incredible, really. I mean, he's he's going up against the fans, giving them a thumbs down. Um, telling them to shut the bleep up, you know. Then, you know, the constant arguing with the referees. The, the ejections and the technical fouls. That 
has definitely played a factor into how he's playing out on the court. Um, and the Knicks need to... Okay. The, I'm sorry, I got a notification. Tim Hardaway Sr. is headed to the... Uh, to the Naismith Hall of Fame, so that's that's great. Miami Heat player that tortured the Knicks going to the Hall of Fame. I digress. Um, look, the Fort Julius. That uh, I, I lost my train of thought. The 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 incidents on the court that have happened have led to an impact in his performance on the court. Um, he's not the same player. He's so inefficient. You know, and and the shots that he takes, it can't be they can't be shots that Thibodeau imagined and drew up. Some of the shots that he takes are you know mid range contested jumpers, low low caliber shots, the type of shots that Kobe Bryant would take, and you know the analytics team nowadays would immediately cringe and and yell at the top of their lungs to stop that that's that's not a high percentage shot, and and. It's it's incredible because last season they were high percentage shots and then this season they're simply not. Uh, it's incredible. I mean the efficiency again. I'll go back to the efficiency. It's just way down. It's like he has the it's like he has the yips. It's like the season he suddenly got the yips. Cause this Julius Randle this season, it's he's a shadow, a shadow, a shell. Of what he was last year. All of that has led to him getting booed at the Garden. All of that has led to Obi Toppin chants while Randall is out on the floor. We want Obi. We want Obi. And you know you have to you have to think about it. From the fan standpoint, yeah, the fan is going to go bananas on the situation. Of course, they're they're fans. Um, but I mean, I also I I also feel for Julius. I mean, it has to be a shock. A year ago, things were so different. This year, things have gone badly. Um, we've seen, unfortunately, his wife Kendra. Um, I don't want to say clap back, but uh, she did have a, a, a dispute, a conversation, animated conversation on Twitter um, with a Knicks content creator. Um, tweets that she has since deleted, um, you know, and, and there's also yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, Julius Randle mentioned that um, the booze. What what really bother him about the booze is the fact that his son is too young to comprehend why he's getting booed, but it seems as though it seems as though Kaiden has associated booze with with bad play, and when Knicks fans start booing Julius Randle, it seems as though it takes a toll on Kaiden, um, and that's heartbreaking. I mean, put yourself in Julius Randle's shoes. Uh, forget the label professional basketball player and put on the title father. Put on the title uh, parent. I'm not a parent. I'm only 20-something. But I can imagine, as anybody else with, you know, announced decency can imagine. It's got to be tough. It's got to be tough. Watching your kid 
get overwhelmed because they see their dad getting booed, it's got to be a tough situation. It's got to be a situation that's just simply so unique that the average Joe would never be able to understand. This is this is the life of a professional athlete, especially the life of a professional athlete in the city of New York. Um, and it it's it, when your son gets involved like that, and it takes a, a toll on him. When your wife gets involved trying to defend your name and somewhat missing, I understand her intent, but she aimed her displeasure at the wrong person. Um, I can understand how that could take a toll on you as a person. And come on, guys, let's be honest. If, if personal life is bothering you, once in a while that comes out at your place of work. It's just human nature. Um, I definitely do think Julius Randle is having issues personally um, that has led to his inefficiency out on the basketball court and his struggles out on the basketball court. I mean, you look at some of the plays um, on the basketball court, again, we I'll go back to those bad mid-range jumpers, those contested mid-range jumpers. You look at the three-point shot, he continues to take them. They haven't been falling all season. He was shooting them at a 40% clip last season. He's probably down to, what, 30% this year? The, the lack of interest on defense, which as a fan, you see this happening and you become irate because if Obi Toppin were to show the same type of 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 conservatism in playing defense, he would immediately be yanked. It's another reason why Knicks fans are booing. I mean, that's also not a great look for Thibodeau. It's not a great look for Randall. Um, so, I mean, again, it, it seems as though Julius Randall is going through, through some stuff right now um, to keep it PG rated. He looks, looks like he's going through some stuff right now. Um, and I wish him the best. Um, I, I simply... After seeing what has happened and how quickly things have gone downhill for Julius Randle, I'm not 100% sure New York City is the right place for Julius Randle. Um, which, is, which, is, which is interesting to say because we're talking about a kid who started his career in Los Angeles with Kobe Bryant there. You know, now he's the lead guy in New York. You know, he went down to, to New Orleans. And let's be frank, New Orleans is nowhere near the media market of a Los Angeles of a New York. It doesn't even sniff them. But, um, you know, it, you grow up, you get yourself out of situations. I don't want to say get yourself out of situations, but you grow up, you're no longer in Kobe wings, uh, in Kobe, Kobe's wings. Um, you're not underneath Kobe's wings. You you become your own man. You're starting to grow in New Orleans. You think you got it. Then you go to New York. You struggle. Then you think you really got it. Then you think you really think, oh man, I got this NBA stuff down. Here we go. My career is about to take off. This is what I've been working for my entire life. And then to come out and follow up a great season with what has been a dud, um, I can understand that taking a mental toll. I can understand that mental toll taking uh being uh, affecting affecting you at work and simply put i mean 
If all of that is too much for Julius Randle, unfortunately, that's what you're going to get here in New York. And if it might be a little too much to handle, especially if your son is getting involved or your son is upset and your wife is getting involved, you know, you might want you might want out. Um, and it's tough to say that. I mean, I'm really rooting for Julius Randle. I think Julius Randle, the father, is a good guy. I think Julius Randle, the dude, is a good guy. Um, I think Julius Randle is a pretty good hooper. Um, you know, when he's engaged, he's pretty good. When he's disengaged, it can be rough. But I do feel as though that disengagement from Randle stems from the relationship that he has with the fans. The fans showing that ire, that anger towards uh, Randle and his play. And it's it's led to everything just continuing to crumble like a cookie. And um, it's just a tough, it's tough, it's a tough situation. And again, um, you know, it might be best for Julius Randle. It might be best for both part, for both sides to, to part. Um, it might be best for the Knicks to um, say to Julius, we can tell that this isn't the right place for you right now. And uh, why don't you put together a little list? We'll, we'll start with Dallas because he's from Dallas. We'll start with Dallas, see maybe if, if going home could help out his career. But the Knicks, um, I think they need to get something out of Julius Randle because I'm not quite sure how much time Julius, how much more time Julius Randle has with this organization. Again, um, you know, this city is not for everybody. I don't think it's for Julius Randle. No fault of his own. There are just circ- uh, you know, certain circumstances that just might prevent him becoming a star in New York. And, um, you know, sometimes that's just the way it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation for Julius Randle. He swears that he's not asking for a trade, has not asked for a trade. Um, he swears he doesn't. I mean, what? And he tells the media that he doesn't. But, I mean, what's, what's he going to tell the media? Yeah, I want out. I mean, maybe he could be a little bit more open, but, you know, maybe if... If there is a situation in which, you know, his, his family is starting to get affected by it, maybe you mentioned that so the fan can have more of an understanding on what's happening. But um, he doesn't want to open up. He doesn't want to open up on his private life as, as, a, as a professional athlete, and that's understandable as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just a tough situation for Julius Randle. Um, I think there's something going on personally in Julius Randle's life that it's affecting him on the court um but he doesn't want to let us in that's obviously his choice and his right um and so and so be it so if that's going to be the case New York at the end of the day this is a business the NBA is a business and um it might be best if if that's the situation for New York to move on and find a trade partner for Julius Randle because it's a really disheartening situation again we're talking about a guy that was at the top a year ago and and now you know, fans want his head on a stick down, you know, down 34th. So a tough situation, but again, like I just said, the NBA is a business. Knicks might have to go out and get something for him. It's just a really, really overall just a bad situation. Um, and, and I kind of feel for Julius, but I mean, at the end of the day, again, this is New York, this is the NBA, you have to perform. Alrighty, fans, six games left in the, or excuse me, five games left in the regular season for the New York Knicks. Our next game will be on Saturday, April 2nd. They will be hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers, a 1 p.m. start, so a little Saturday matinee at the Garden. 
The next day, Sunday, April 3rd, the Knicks will be in Orlando to take on the Magic. That game will start at 6 o'clock. And on Wednesday, April 6th, a 7.30 start, the Brooklyn Nets take the trip across the bridge to Manhattan to take on the Bockers at the Garden. Kyrie Irving will be available for New York. After that, the Knicks will only have two games left on the schedule. New York's tragic number is down to just one. So if the Atlanta Hawks are victorious on Thursday night against the Cavaliers, the Knicks are eliminated. If the Knicks lose another game this season and if the Hawks win another game this year, New York is eliminated. That's the Knicks' upcoming schedule here late in the regular season. Alrighty, there you have it. I mean, season's almost over. Um, the Knicks are 6-4 and four over the last 10 games. I wish this would have happened earlier. I wish the changes would have happened earlier, but very well then. Oh well, what you gonna do about it? Five games left on the season for New York. Again, they continue to cling, like I just said in the last segment, they cling on to a uh, potential play-in spot, but their tragic number is down to one. If the Hawks pick up another win this season, the Knicks go bye-bye. Um, and if the Knicks lose again, they go bye-bye. Very well then. This has been the Knicks Nation podcast presented by New York Sports Nation. New York Sports Nation, enhancing your New York fan experience. I'm your host, Manny Rodriguez. Catch you next time. Maybe by the next podcast is out, the New York Knicks might be eliminated from playoff contention. Very well then. Until next time, go New York, go New York, go.